Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I don't think you have to tell people that, that are generally submissive to submit. I, so I don't think these are wasted words. They may submit to them. So real quick for you and I, when it comes to Christian leadership, now I know some people can be in weird churches. I've heard of weird things where people were submitted. You can choose where you're going to go and be in fellowship at. But wherever you're going to be in fellowship at, you should be able to submit to the leadership there. And if you can be, if you're somewhere and you believe God's called you to be there, then we submit to spiritual leadership. Are you submissive to spiritual leadership? Today, you learn from Pastor Bill's message to be wise and cautious about the fellowship that you attend. When you attend a local church, you need to be able to respect the leadership at the church and to be submissive to its leadership. That's why finding a good church home is so important. Pastor Bill encourages you to make sure that you find a church home where you can feel comfortable submitting to its leadership. Ask the Lord to help lead and to guide you. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 16 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Be watchful, be vigilant, uh, because there is a war, and it's, it's for everything. Uh, we need to be watchful in our, our first, personally, in your own life. Watchful over your marriages, watchful over your kids, watchful over everything God put under your care. Be watchful, be awake, be attentive to the things that are going on. And again, watching is always kind of kind of connected with prayer. I'm watching and I'm praying. I'm watching what's going on. I'm alert, I'm aware, I'm, I'm, I'm sensing that right there. I'm, a, I'm aware of what's going on over here so I can be praying, so I can give proper attention to it. But I'm not walking around like everything's hunky-dory at wartime. You know, there, there are times where we're to be on kind of a heightened alert. Um, and as believers, that's how we're to live. We're, we're to live in a state of just heightened awareness. That means we can never have fun. I mean, you always got to be uptight and looking like this. No, but but you need to be you can be alert and aware without looking weird. Amen. I hope y'all know that because some people are just alert and they just they, you can get weird with that. So I want to be clear. You, you can be alert and aware without looking weird and being weird and, you know, speaking in King James, Elizabethan and English only, you know, just be be alert. Be, be aware of what's going on around you spiritually. Second, second exhortation, he said, watch, he said, stand fast in the faith. And the idea of, of standing fast is to, I think in the old King James, um, well, standing fast is, is, is holding your ground, not being, not being moved from a position. Steadfast. Same thing he said at the end of uh, in, in chapter 15, verse 58, steadfast and movable. Stand fast in the faith. Why would he say that to the Corinthians? Because they had already let the the idea of the resurrection, though, they weren't standing fast. He says, guys, please stand fast. Stand fast. I mean, the, the gospel you received, the word that you know, stand fast. Quit being so easily moved aside to, to stuff. We live in a time right now, you guys, where because of social media, because of videos and all this stuff, people with the truth can put the truth out there quickly. And those that are telling lies can tell lies really quickly. And, and it's, it's in your ear and in your face. Some things become very trendy. I mean, it's like, oh, that person's very trendy and, and cool and, and, and they say spiritual stuff, but it's off. And before you know it, you're listening to enough of that stuff to be taking it in and, 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 and having your mind change from what you already knew to be true. I've, I've known people that used to believe the truth and then they, they kind of come, they kind of come to another conclusion about things. Well, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so sure of that anymore. What happened? Why are you not so sure anymore? What were you listening to that made you unsure you didn't stand fast? Um, you got to stand fast. You can't be when once I know the truth, I got to stand fast with the truth. It will be challenged. I live in a day and an age where the truth will be challenged. It must be. And so I want to be and you need to be sharpening ourselves up. You know, 
Peter said in his letter that you want to be able to give an answer to every man for the hope that's in you. Um, with, with, I think it was, it was grace um, or it, it's with, you know, gracious speech, but we want to be able to give an answer. I want to be able to answer back. Someone says, well, the Bible has been changed 50 times. For real? I, I, I love when people say stuff like that because I know one thing off the top. You haven't studied. So, you know, I can take them back. What, 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 you know, so the whole Bible has been changed. Wow. Wow. You, you, you know, where'd you get that from? Or where's it been changed from? Because they found a copy of the original book of Isaiah. Have you heard about that? It's called the Great Sea Scrolls or the, the Dead Sea Scrolls. And then when they took it and they looked at it and compared it to what we got, guess what? Same book. Didn't change. None. Where you get that from? You know? And I wouldn't talk to people like that, be a smart aleck, but, but maybe I would, but maybe not. So, <laughs> you know, but, you know, it's like, okay, well, I, I want to give an answer to that. So now, so now what? Now that's not true. No, it hasn't been changed a whole bunch of times. So that's, we, got, we, have, we actually have the original text in, in Hebrew and Greek. We can study it and read it and learn from it. And so on and on and on, there'll be things that are challenged. You know, no, you know, Jesus didn't really resurrect from the grave. You know, the disciples took him. And really? really? No, no, that's not true. Where'd you get that from? Who told you that? Because every lie was told by somebody. That's my favorite question. Who told you that? You know, when, when, when Eve, when God came and talked to Eve after she had eaten the tree and, you know, she had said, well, you know, I know that, you know, the, 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 know that the day we eat it, Satan told her. And the day you eat it, you become like God, you become wise. And God found him. And where are you? And, and that was a question. Like, who told you that? Where'd you get that information from, Eve? Been talking to the devil. Got bad information. Who told you that? It's a great question to ask somebody with heresy. Where'd you get that from? Sometimes we act like the burden is on us. When somebody's lying on God, for real, where'd you get that from? I love to see the source. Where'd you get that? Where'd you hear that? That untruth. Doesn't the Bible say? No, no. Where, where did it? Where, can you show me where it says that? We'd love to read that. We'd love to see where the Bible says that right there because it doesn't say it. But you can't say that unless you know your Bible, right? Well, we got to be in the book ourselves. Not so we can be arrogant and cocky, but I need to know my truth because if the truth that I know is going to be getting challenged, I need to know it. I need to be confident. I need to be. I can't be steadfast with a truth that I don't really know. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I, if you don't know something that you look like, you can waver. I'm not sure. I, uh, if you get pressed real hard, you either have to get out of the argument, scream at them and, you know, act unchristian or, you know, or you might start listening a whole lot. Got to know what we believe in. And so um, I continue to challenge and encourage us as a church to read your Bibles, be at church, come to Bible study, read, study, learn, grow, know this book. If there's a goal of, for every Christian, I, I think every Christian, we ought to know our book. Know it. I mean, I want to know the book. I want to know the doctrines of the book. I want to know because in knowing this book, guess who I get to know? Who's the author of the book? I get to I know God better. The more of this book I know, the better I know my God. I know what he loves. I know what he hates. I know what he wants. I know what he doesn't want. I know what he blesses. I know what he punishes. How do you know that? Because I've been reading his book and he's showing me and he's revealing himself. He's revealing himself through his book. So the more time we spend here meditating, reading, soaking it in, listening to studies, taking in the word of God, you're going to know God better and better and better. And there'll be things that you just know. I just know that about God. I see it all over the Bible. The spirit will bring up to remembrance. The spirit will actually bring remembrance to stuff that you've read and taken in. But the spirit can't bring the remembrance which you ain't never read. So, so we got to sow it in. And then God's spirit will bring it to remember when you need it. There'll be times you in a conversation. You haven't read that in two years. But it comes to your remembrance like you just read it yesterday. Oh, yeah. Because at, and then you just whoop. You can tell it. Now we got phones. I can remember a phrase of a verse and just say it in my phone and it comes up. Now I got the reference. I look like a scholar. Uh, thank you, Google, you know. So moving on. So we're, we're, we're to watch steadfast, stand fast in the faith. Then it said be brave. That was interesting. Um, the, the idea of the be brave is to, is to, 
it's it's the it's it's part of it is is the is, is is um one of the phrases is to to act like a man, um to, to to be brave to stand your ground but like a man and now it's not telling it's it's just to the women too it's it's saying you know be brave you know sh- show yourself it's almost almost like being being manly being brave standing firm in a position and so God said I, I want you to be brave why do you got to be brave to be a Christian and I'm gonna tell you this a lot of Christians aren't brave, not brave enough to share with people, not brave enough to speak up when they should speak up. It's it's a matter of when you think of bravery, you think of someone that just is, I, I won't let fear keep me from doing the right thing. Someone that's brave. I'm going to do the right thing, even though it might cost me. It might cause me injury. It might cost me something, but I'm going to, that's bravery is saying I, in the face of that, I'm going to go anyway. It's a brave person, spiritually brave person. Someone that says, man, this might cost me. These friendships, this relationship, this might cost me that 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 person in my job that might be a, give me a hookup on that situation. And that may, it might hinder that. Be brave, right? As you have opportunity, be brave. You stand for the truth. You live out the truth. You be brave and do the right thing. Will it always be easy? No. But, but God says, that Paul is giving them these closing ad- admonitions. I want you to be brave. Can't be. You can't be cowards in this day and age in which we're living. You won't make it. You won't you won't be able to be the kind of man or woman God wants you to be. You got to be brave. Sometimes you're going to stand up to people you love. Some of you parents need to be brave in your ministry to your own kids. Some parents cower to their own kids like they know in their heart that I need to not allow this. And it's like, but they're going to get mad at me. What kind of mess is that? That but that happens. I love you guys, but it's true. There are parents that like I don't want them. They're going to be mad. They're going to get upset. Yeah, it's all right. That's. That you should be used to that by now. You ain't been parenting right. That's that's part of the program. They're going to be mad sometimes. They'll be okay because they'll grow up. This is what's going to happen. So your little mad kids, they'll grow up. One day they'll grow up and they'll be like, Mom, thank you so much because because you held your ground. You were brave. You didn't, you didn't punk out. You didn't cower to me. You parented me. So what happens you parents that are cowering trying to be your, your kids' friends? They're going to grow up, outgrow you, and disrespect you because you've never been respectable. And then when they look back at how you're parenting, they're going to not respect that either. Because they'll grow up and know you should have did better than what you did. So all you friend parents, it, it, it may look well for right now. You get to be a teeny bopper with them, but it doesn't pay off in the end. And I, 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 I have both. And I, I can say that from, 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 from knowledge. It, 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 it doesn't pay off in the end. Be a parent. Be brave. Hold your ground. Tell them no. You know, don't allow everything. Do what's right for your kids, man. Don't 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 let them. If if God wanted them to parent themselves, He wouldn't have put you over them and commanded them to obey you. So they need it. They need it. And that's not in my notes. So I know somebody here needed that. So God bless you. Be brave. Then He said, "Be strong." Um, same thing. They're almost synonymous. Be brave. That's a matter of your character that I won't cower, I won't fold, I won't, I won't bow out. Be strong. That's a matter of your doing. So it's, a, it's one thing to have the, the character and the nature of being brave. I will not let fear stop me. Now being strong is now I'm, I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to do the things that God has given me to do in his strength. I'm going to, I'm going to move forward in those things that God has given me to do. So watch, stand fast in the faith, be strong. I mean, be brave, be strong. And the last exhortation in this section is let all let everything that you do be done with love. Don't forget that. Don't forget to do everything you do in love. Do you love God? Let that be the thing that moves you and motivates you. Do you love your brothers and sisters? Let that be the thing that motivates you to do the right thing. Love, right? When you think about love, love, biblical love is active. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, it's, it's not something you feel. 
Love is always active. Love is always moving people to do something. So when God says, I want let everything you do be moved through love, right? If I love somebody, will I, will I, will I withhold the truth from them if I love them? No. We'll tell them the truth because I love them. Love will motivate me to do the right thing for people. Love will motivate me to do what God will require. Love sometimes is going to motivate you to be forgiving when you need to be forgiven. That, that I love you, therefore I'm, I'm just going to let that go, right? Because the Bible said love covers what? Most of the sins. Now, you offended me so bad, but I love you. So I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let it go. Because I love you. Let, 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 let everything you do be done through love. If that can mark everything we do, everything we do will look a little different. Um, it should mark the Christian church. It should mark the Christian marriage. It should mark Christian parenting and household. It should mark the Christian community at, 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 overall. That we do all these things. I, now, I want you to catch the combo, right? Because these other things seem real strong, right? He's saying, saying, I want you to watch. Be vigilant and watchful, but, but, but do that with love. Because some people can get watchful and vigilant, no love. Start, I'm telling people the truth. I don't care if it hurts. I'm just, you, and you can, tell, you can tell the truth in a mean way. Have you, have, anybody here heard mean Christians? They be, they be saying the truth, but you can say the truth mean. And, and I'm saying that, he said, make sure you're doing it all in love. I could tell you, I could tell someone they're going to hell, mean, or, or nice. Same thing. I can tell you are going to hell for that. <laughs> you know, that, that is, is it true? If, if they're living a certain way, yeah. But that's that the right way to say it. I could also say, you know, you know, if you, if you, if you continue in that thing that you're doing, Bible says the end of that, that, that road ends in hell. Right? You, you will end up in God's judgment. God has made a way. God would forgive you. God has sent his son. I mean, same truth. That, doesn't that taste different though? Because the other one looks like I'm excited that he might go. You know, <laughs> you're going to hell, and I'm, I'm a little bit excited that you might go there. You know, that we want to be careful about that. Like that's not God's heart. So, but you can watch, you can stand fast in the faith while being loving. No, I won't be moved from my position because the Bible says this. And somebody might argue and yell and scream, and I'm not going to join you in the argument, yelling and scream. When you bring it back down to a, a normal decibel, we'll continue our conversation. But this is the truth. This is what the Bible says. Jesus did rise from the grave. He is coming back again. You do need to be ready. He is the only way. And you can go. We can have the conversation. I don't need to yell. I can stand my ground. I can stand fast in the faith in love. I can be brave in love. I can be strong in my movement and positioning God in love. I can do all these things that God wants me to do. He says, do all these things in love. Amen. And I, I want to come back to this at the end because I, I was meditating on this and I was getting ready for communion. And I, I love that everything God would command us to do, I could see it in Jesus. And, uh, and we'll come back to that as we get ready for communion. But look at verse 15. Now we're moving through just some of the people. Paul wanted to, he's acknowledging some people and he's mentioning some of the brothers on his way out. He says, I urge you, brethren, you know the household of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia and that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that you also submit to such and to everyone who works and labors with us. And so he said, hey, remember Stephanus and his family, they're the, they're the first people that got saved, first fruits of our ministry in this area. He's saying, hey, be submissive to them. Back then, they didn't have church buildings, they had house churches, and so this family represented a house church, Aquila and Priscilla ran a house church everywhere they moved. And he said, when you guys get there, he's letting them know that these are people that my hands are upon. Would you be submissive to them? They're, they're, I'm, I want you to acknowledge their leadership when you get there. Don't, don't go there fighting them. And again, it's, it tends to let me, it, it, it leads me to believe that the Corinthian church maybe struggled with uh, their attitude towards leadership. He tell them, be nice to Timothy. Y'all don't, don't make him be there in fear. He said, I want you to, I want you to acknowledge the fathers and his family when they get there. He says, submit to them. 
I don't think you have to tell people that, that are generally submissive to submit. I, so I don't think these are wasted words. They may submit to them. So real quick for you and I, when it comes to Christian leadership, now I know some people can be in weird churches. I've heard of weird things where people were submissive. You can choose where you're going to go and be in fellowship at. But wherever you're going to be in fellowship at, you should be able to submit to the leadership there. And if you can be, if you're somewhere and you believe God's called you to be there, then we submit to spiritual leadership. That's part of the program. You know, uh, I spent 11 years at a place. I, my pastor I submitted to his leadership. It was good for me. Uh, never was bad for me one time to submit to his leadership. And so if you're in a healthy place with a sound pastor, it should also not be an issue submitting to leadership. They, they, they shouldn't be asking you to do anything that would be a detriment to your walk with the Lord. They might be telling you to do things that would help you and encourage you in it. So um, you want to have a good attitude about that. Um, just being submissive to leadership. Uh, we go more on that, but we won't. Verse 17, I am glad about the coming of Stephanus and Fortunus and Achaia Caius or whatever. For what was lacking on your part, they supplied. So the Corinthian church was not supplying for all of Paul's needs. And so this other group, now I don't think Paul said this as a dig, but it is a dig. It, it, it is kind of a, it kind of does put them on blast. He's saying, look, you guys, what was lacking on your part in supplying my need came from this other group. And so Paul's mentioning them, appreciating that they took care of me, recognizing that, hey, what was lacking on your part came from here. Now, maybe it was lacking on the Corinthians part because they didn't have it or it was lacking because they weren't generous. In either case, doesn't tell us why it was lacking. Just it was lacking on your part. So it came from them over here. Verse 18, for they refreshed my spirit and yours, therefore acknowledge such men. So not only did they supply my need, are they the first fruits of my ministry here? They have refreshed my spirit and they've refreshed you as well. Acknowledge these men. Acknowledge men like this. Verse 19, for, I'm sorry, verse 19, the churches of Asia greet you. Aquila and Priscilla, that was a ministry couple. We talked about them a little bit at married couples this week. They greet you heartily in the Lord with the church that is in their house. They also had a, a church in their home. All the brethren greet you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, back in that time, that was a, a way that you would greet someone. There's some cultures today, I think in Sicily and different places where you come in and the men and the women do it. You you know, in our culture, we might men, hey, what's up, bro? You know, a little pound or, or whatever, a little church, a little side hug. In their culture, it, it, you know, whatever. We don't really get down like that. So we're not going to resurrect this either. Y'all start, you, you come in here and start kissing on folk wives, you, you will leave with a few less teeth, you know? So not really, but <laughs> maybe, I don't know. So... So, but I just want to say it was a cultural thing. So this is the thing though, right? We do want to greet each other in a loving way. Uh, when Christians come together, it should not, this should not be a cold gathering. Um, in, in their culture, they had what was, uh, what was, uh, the, the culturally acceptable way to lovingly greet people. In our culture, we also have culturally acceptable ways to greet people. And so, um, I'm a hugger. I hug people. I hug men and women. I don't hug nobody's woman from the front. I hug everybody from the side. I uh, hug my wife in the front. She gets special hugs. That's the only one. Um, you know, but I, I think when we come together, it should be, we should be in a, in a, in a, in a pure way, a very loving atmosphere. And people should sense that. We should sense that. If you get beat up in the world all week, you should come here and experience the love of God in a tangible way. And how we speak to one another, that we reach out, that we love on one another, that should characterize the gathering of the saints. Amen. So before y'all leave, y'all hug somebody, an appropriate hug, okay? So, <laughs> okay. Um, so he greets him with a holy kiss. Verse 21, 
The, sal- uh, the salutation with my own hand, Paul's. If anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be accursed. Oh, Lord, come. Now, that can sound bad, right? If you don't love the Lord, curse on you. What well, is the deal? The, the word he used for love here is interesting. Um, if you were to give a definition of it, it's, it's the idea is any, anybody that's not fond of the Lord, right? And again, Paul's speaking to a group of people that had people that were not fond of the Lord, teach them bad doctrine. Paul said, look, anybody that's coming here talking to y'all that's not fond, they, they, they don't love the Lord. They're not fond. They don't, they don't care about God. Let them be accursed. The Greek word is anathema. It literally means damned to hell. Strong language. Why would Paul say that? If they don't love the Lord, are they not damned to hell? So Paul saying, recognize who they are. Why are they talking to you? Why, why are you listening to them? Why are you letting people that are damned to hell speak spiritual things to you? Why, why are you even open to that? So he's saying, you, you guys have made that mistake. He's correcting it. It's, it's, a, it's a loving correction. Paul said, if they don't love the Lord, they're not fond of the Lord. Recognize, let them be what they are. They're damned to hell. Now, we love on people that are damned to hell. We speak to people that are damned to hell. We reach out in love with the gospel, but I need to acknowledge who they are. You cannot speak into my life. You can't, you can't, you can't relate spiritual lessons to me as a child of the devil. You cannot. And so we want to be careful about that. Everybody here got people speaking in your life. I've known them for so long. We've been friends for this long. That's my great aunt, my godmother. Yah, yah, yah. Be careful. People speaking into your life that belong to the devil. Because if you don't belong to the Lord, who do you belong to? Devil. They need something from you, not the other way around. Does that mean we treat them bad? Absolutely not. That would be wrong. Meaning you act unloving toward them? Absolutely not. Do you walk around telling them, you a child of the devil? No. We don't do that. But you recognize spiritual things like you are, they are, and as I'm aware of that, I'm not really open to receiving, but I am open to sharing and loving and giving. You guys catch? You guys get that? So that's what Paul is saying here. Last two things. He said, oh, Lord, come. It's the hope of every believer. We're looking forward to the day the Lord's return. I told him as, as we celebrate communion, we, we share what the Lord has done. And as we look for him coming again, believers live in the expectation that the Lord is coming back. Verse 23 and 24. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. And I love that even though Paul has some really heavy things to say, some challenges, some corrections, he ends off the letter saying, hey, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And he says, look, my love be with you all in Christ Jesus. Amen. Paul said, I love you guys. Why I say all the difficult things I say? Because I love you guys. And he wanted to close off with that. He ends the letter with that. Love you guys. He shared some difficult truths, some deep truths, some hard truths, and he did all that in love. And so it's an example to us as we end this letter it was primarily a corrective letter. And if I would just summarize the whole thing, God and his love for this church, right? A church that was involved in sexual sin, a church that was getting drunk at the communion table, a church that was laying down foundational beliefs like the resurrection, a church that was not walking in love as a church that was not submissive to leadership and all those different things that were challenging Paul's apostolic authority. God loved that church so much. He wrote not just one, but even a second letter to them to correct them, to help them to get it together. So, two, there are children of God that are challenged, that are going through it, that are not all the way where they need to be. Maybe that's you today. The Lord loves you. He loves you. Maybe loves you so much that he got you in here that he can speak to you today so you can hear just that. Maybe you hear nothing else today. You know he loves you. He loves you in your disobedience. He loves you in your 
brokenness. He loves you and your rebellion. He loves you enough to tell you the truth. And he can't wait for the day where you will respond in repentance and love him back. But even before you loved him, you need to know that he loves you. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 1 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on media. Or you can download our mobile app to listen to more teachings. You'll find a link on our website. You can also search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest times and location information. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is CalvaryInglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 1 Corinthians, accountability and helping other believers strive for purity and commitment to God are topics that come to the surface. Although these things aren't always fun or easy, they're an incredible blessing to have in your life and in your church. So look to be involved and accountable wherever you're plugged in with other believers. If you notice that this ministry has been a blessing, even when it's convicted your heart in certain ways, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the messages go out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. We ask that you pray for ears to be opened, hearts to be softened, and for lives to be changed. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Bill again for another edition of A Transforming Word.